Hello, I'm Melody Asani. I'm Julie Burns Walker. Today, we welcome you back to the Butterfly Forecast. We're so happy to be back for our second season of the Butterfly Forecast and Swishy. We are together again. Sushi, we made it to season two. This is so exciting. Just to recap, on the first season of the Butterfly Forecast, we talked all about how small things are big things, inspired by the concept of the butterfly effect. And we did our best to try to introduce lots of ways where we all make big changes just by virtue of being who we are, which is the magic of us. And we had all kinds of special guests, some unknown, some very well-known. And we were so delighted to find ourselves in each of their stories. And so for this next season, Smooshi. Yeah, we're coming back with new episodes and new guests, different thought leaders and pioneers of spirituality. And we're going to unpack things and elevate them and seeing where our small efforts lead to big changes in our quest for world peace. Just that little thing. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Sushi, this is so exciting because nobody's talked about world peace in so long. We've been in such a place of doom and gloom. Exactly. It's time. So we really hope that you'll join us and together we'll find ways to foray into a vision of world peace. Well, Sushi, I'm excited to be on this journey with you and with all our guests And to all our listeners, we're so honored to have you on this journey with us to try to unfold this concept. Hi, Smooshy. Hi, Smooshy. What a wonderful way to start our new year, being in the same exact space. (laughs) I know. So Julie lives in Chicago, and it's very, very cold there right now. Very. So shout out to anybody that lives in that part of the world. Hey. (laughs) So she's here in California where it happens to be warm, and we are doing this first round of podcast recordings together, which is so sweet, and we're so excited for this new season because we're about to introduce a new concept or an overall theme that's we hope to weave through each episode with each of our guests, with one another, and Smishy. Yeah, we're so excited because we've been talking about the timeliness of things and the strands of consciousness that have been accelerated because of the last few years and what's been going on around the world. And because everything is affecting everything right now, climate, health, changes, there's so much consciousness and awareness and transformation and healing. So we were thinking about exploring the quest for world peace, that the timeliness is so now. Every time you say that, I feel like I want to say the dun, 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 (laughs) because it just feels so big, like what? The quest for world peace? What does that even mean? 
Who's even talked about that? I mean, I haven't heard anybody even remotely talk about the possibility of that since I was young. But isn't that so telltale about why we need to refocus as a population on the planet? Because it doesn't happen by itself. I mean, when have we ever had world peace? When has this planet ever known peace? Isn't it alarming with all the brilliant minds and the revolutionaries and the creators and the artists that we've had and we still haven't come to the conclusion that making a plan for world peace? Smusha, I have to be really honest with you on this one. There's a small part of me that feels like, who do I think I am to talk about this or to claim this or to push this agenda forward. That's the problem. We think, oh, that's too big. It feels really big. We can't even deal with racism or equality or road rage, (laughs) you know, let alone. I think, and this is why, you know, we're going to be talking this year through so many people's vision and portals about what all could lead to world peace. It it doesn't have to be a political acquisition or a political mandate. What if human beings started to quest for peace? You know, I've often thought, like, what could awaken the desire? Or what if achieving world peace could happen by individuals experiencing peace within? I think that's where it, where it's at. I think where I feel sort of burdened by it is thinking that I have to work with everybody else <laughs> to get it done. And to some extent you do, but I don't think it has to be in the way that you think. Like you can work with like-minded people. So and be, you know, semi-open, but I think that if you quest within yourself, if you ask the questions, you start thinking about it yourself. And if you think of yourself as a world, as a whole entire world, and you figure out how to have peace within you in that world, then aren't you bringing peace into the outside world as well just by virtue of like doing that work and existing? Yes. Yeah, I love that. We would make a tremendous advancement towards one another if what we were really doing is developing more and more of the reality of working and striving and developing practices that lead to inner peace. And I feel like there's so much of a tremendous advancement of peace that already exists. Uh, We have so many, like for the first time ever in human history, We have access to every spiritual teaching in the world. Mm -hmm. Why isn't that what we're tuning into every day? Why don't we talk about that in the news? Well, because it's been used by people who have agendas. Mm, So so true. A lot of people don't trust it, rightfully so. But you know how when everyone had to wear a mask, everyone on our planet had to wear a mask still happening. All of a sudden, people were very open to a lot of things they never were before. And one has to do with helping each other through it. You know, because we've all been through the exact same thing. 
to me, that is actually a very profound step towards world peace from inner peace. Mm. We know what it feels like to be scared, to be made to feel like the future is unknown. Mm. And all of a sudden, you have people talking about what works for them, sharing. Well, we never did that before. Like, what other steps could be the groundwork so that we could reach that proverbial critical mass? But what would it look like to do it internally, Smishi? Well, I guess, I mean, that's just everybody's inner work. It's like, what are the things that create chaos within you? Can you identify them? So you're saying if we can identify the chaos and the blocks to world peace or inner peace, I think if we start there on a personal level, Mm -hmm. if we can see, you know, when you were saying, but it involves people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like that's the problem. But if we were seeking inner peace wherever we are in the world, you don't have to be like, how do I align myself better in my inner peace when that nation over there is doing things that agitate me. Yeah. <laughs> but but we do have to take those steps on the inside so that all of a sudden we understand them. Mm-hmm. And now we've taken a giant step towards understanding the people in our sphere. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. It's like understanding who people are to you and what they bring out in you, how they bring that out where you fit in terms of what type of environments allow you to be your best, where do you feel most free. You know, I I feel like once you laid down that groundwork for yourself and you can identify those sorts of things, like where you're able to flow, then we can look at the more sort of like world things. Like I remember that one time at my store, we were doing a speaker series with you essentially. And you asked everybody in the room, there was about 60 people in the room and you asked everybody what world peace looked like to them. And I was so floored because every single person had a different idea. You know, like for some people it was like, wait, isn't it to end world hunger? Like, isn't that the thing that everybody, you know, And everybody had a different version of it, and everybody thought that their version was the obvious version. Yes. But what was beautiful is that we needed every single one of those things that, like, everybody shared. So it was kind of like that full circle moment that you brought us to that we need everyone. We can't just have one person. And that also means that each one of those portals are actually a potential synergistic trigger, like a domino effect Mm -hmm. to bring down whatever's in the way so that all that is left is our actual reality, which is that we are actually brothers and sisters on a biological level. What's in the way of that? But I think that the part, like going back to the part where you have to know yourself is knowing where in that you fit in. I may have a really strong desire towards something that's wrong in the world, like social justice, and I love the environment, and I'm just making this up, but maybe I'm not so interested or so passionate, as passionate as making that my day-to-day thing. You know, maybe there are other people that it's part of their design 
to advocate for that. So I, I really feel like it's about people knowing themselves or getting in and doing that work so that, like I said, you know where you fit in. So, you know, you like prioritize the things that you know, like where you could be most effective and then allow others to do, because we can't do everything. There's so much and there's so many places that need help so many people, so many areas. But Smushi, what you're saying right now is actually the thing that gets me the most excited more than any theme possible. Because what you're saying is the more we know ourselves, the more we are naturally aligned to make the world a better place. Yeah. But the one thing we are missing is one, understanding that that's to be respected. It's not a whimsical thing. It's not a selfish thing. It is exactly what's necessary so that we work tirelessly at what we love, so that we will achieve it. If it's something that gets superimposed, or like from the perspective, like you were saying earlier, from hidden agendas, nobody will sustain that work, even if it's quote unquote spiritual work. It's got to be sustainable. I find that the only way for it to be sustainable is if you really love it. Yes. There can't be agendas of others to um, marshal people's actions Mm -hmm. according to what they say is the most important route, you know, to whatever it is. You know who's such a good example? I I don't know how many people know this, but I've always thought it was the most incredible relationship. But it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who introduced Thich Nhat Hanh, recently passed Buddhist monk uh, and prolific writer and such a spiritualist and humanitarian to this country. And uh, Dr. King said that if Thich Nhat Hanh's ideas for peace If they were applied, then it would build a monument to world brotherhood. It would build a monument to humanity. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Who better than Dr. King to talk about that? But what I find exciting about that is Thich Nhat Hanh did not talk about world peace. He talked about taking care of ourselves, about going inside, And that regardless of our circumstances, how we can always go back to our breath. And how he said that that's what he did his entire life, because life is full of unexpected changes and full of unanticipated problems. And instead of us looking for a distraction, we need to make it our go-to that at the very bottom line, we can go back to I breathe in, I breathe out, mm-hmm. and reestablish peace and equilibrium with each other and all living things. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. Who can't do that practice? Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that feel like they can't because they're in survival all the time. But who better to introduce that recommendation than Dr. King? Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing? He didn't say, oh, if we would do X, Y, or Z, it would lead to world brotherhood and world peace. Mm-hmm. He was talking about Thich Nhat Hanh's 
teachings. I mean, you have to have a center or a core. Mm. You have to have something to even be able to build off of. Yeah, because that allows us a change in our vision. Mm-hmm. I really think that if we could get to more of common places, then we could start to look at all those points that have kept us back from that, accessing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sushi, what do you think is in the way of people recognizing the importance of being at peace with themselves? Distractions and probably fear of what's in there or what it actually is. I think a lot of people are scared. It's kind of like going into a dark room and not knowing like the proverbial monster under the bed, you know, but you really have to shine a light into all those corners and see what's there. And sometimes we think it's so big, but. You mean like we're afraid of our shadow? Yeah. How deep the shadow goes? Yeah. Or where you got it from, or if it's like, what if it's just you? Like, what if you can't change it? What if it's something you're not in control of? I think a lot of people are scared of that, but I think too that there's just so many distractions. I mean, we experience, especially recently, like so much fatigue and sadness and just the news is is so filled with things every day that most people just kind of want to numb themselves like or just sort of check out. I think it seems a lot easier to do that, to just be distracted. I remember one time you told me the difference between being on autopilot and being in your body, and it was so powerful to me because it made me realize like when I would go on autopilot versus like when I'd rest and get what I needed. So sometimes I'd come home and I'd be so tired or I'd do some kind of inner work or whatever, and I'd be so tired and I just want to check out, and I would watch something on TV that made me feel like crap after, like where I was like, oh my God, I just watched this stupid show for three hours and all my brain cells are dead, and then I just go (laughs) clonk out. Or I would eat something that made me feel that way. Like it's, I was like, I'm just going to have that comfort food that I know is going to make me just go to sleep for 12 hours after. But Then I learned how to do the thing that would feed me. So instead, I'd watch the thing that I loved that would make me feel like I was hanging out with my friends or whatever, and it would restore me. And it was the difference between like just going on autopilot where you've abandoned yourself versus like staying in yourself and giving yourself what you need. And I think that it's really difficult for people to not abandon themselves when they feel heaviness of any sort. Yes, and each other. You know, I've always thought it was fascinating that we have two hands, not more. And, you know, one hand can be extended for someone to help you up and the other for you to help another person Mm. up. And I really feel that uh, what you're sharing, I think, is so human. 
right when we're exhausted. Right now, what I hear a lot about, not just on the news, but through my work, is just how many people are burned out. Mm-hmm. Um, their jobs changed. A lot of them are working from home. Uh, those who have children are working from home while their children are, some of them still on you know, an e-learning situation, so they have to find another room for them. Life has been utterly reordered with no natural rhythm to it. And there's no room to feel comfort and familiarity. Yeah. And on top of that, I think that we're all trying to just be okay. Yeah. So to some extent, we've just normalized it. Like, yeah, it's normal. It's okay. It's fine. I'm fine. I, I have, you know, a roof over my head and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's not normal. Like we can't make this the new normal. We can't act like it's okay. We have to continue moving through through this knowing it's not okay. Absolutely. But after a certain period of time, we have to start seeking for something that is going to be beyond a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. And I, I think everything you were saying is spot on. And nobody hasn't been through that. And nobody hasn't been through times when they're just so fed up and want everything normalized. But I don't think life can or should ever go back to where it was before. No. Because we were disconnected before the pandemic set in. Yeah. And so now that's why I think the opportunity to at least put in our consciousness a quest. It doesn't mean we're declaring world peace, but if we quest for that, the more numbers that quest for it, the more it changes what we write about, Mm -hmm. the more it changes the way we interact, our social discourse changes, our openness changes. And that's what we, just on an organic level, we have to know it's attainable. Yeah. We have to stop making it something so far away. Do you know, every time I've ever had a conversation about uh, movement towards world peace, people have always said to me, like with laughter, kind of a cynical laughter, ha, that's just so far away. We're not going to see that in our lifetime. And I've reflected on that and I've thought, well, not if we say it's impossible. Yeah. What would it take to make anything happen? My gosh, a virus spread super fast. Nobody put that in their plan. Yeah. You know? Nobody, you know, thought that was impossible, yet the entire globe dealt with this massive thing. If a virus can spread worldwide in such a brief time, so can the consciousness that leads to connection and ultimately peace. Even if that peace starts with, you know, we're talking about inner peace, but what about political peace? Like a consciousness that allows the possibility to allow that we don't have all our problems and social justices resolved, though each one is the criteria to attain it. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's so disheartening because there's been so many opportunities for foundational things to be laid down globally and domestically in this country. And we haven't taken those opportunities, you know, it's like on a very foundational basis, like 
with racism in America, there's so many things that we could have done to prevent where we've gotten to today. And they haven't, it's like simple things. Or even like, I remember when, I think it was in the 90s, I don't know how old I was, but when they were trying to form the International Criminal Court. And as a child, it was such a simple concept, like, okay, it's a global institution and leaders from every country would sign up and they would agree that if there was somebody like a Hitler or an Idi Amin or whoever that, you know, committed some egregious act that no country would stand for it. No country would harbor those people. They would be able to charge them regardless of where they were. They would be punishable by law regardless of what was happening across what border. And it was so shocking to me that every country in the world didn't sign up for that. And that America for the longest time didn't want to sign up for it. I'm like, I don't understand. It's such a basic concept. Like if we were in the time of Hitler and the ICC existed and he would be able to come here and seek refuge and we would be fine with that. What? Right. It's a new level of awareness of what must be for basic human right. Yes, like a no-tolerance policy of XYZ. That's what we need to establish. But without our connectedness, we can't have such a union, I, even on a legal level. Now, I know a lot of people are really programmed to believe it has to happen from the top down. That is why we don't have world peace Mm -mm. yet, though. No. Because as long as there are individual political agendas before human rights, that's a problem. But every single big movement on earth that we know of has always started from the bottom up. It's never been from the top down. So why are we waiting for our institutions to do it. I agree. And that's why I think even like having more elevated conversations Mm -hmm. rather than uh, just surrendering to the news. Yeah. We can also make news. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, something that I've, I'm so appreciative in our friendship is you love asking questions so much. And sometimes you share with me the questions that you're pondering. Mm -hmm. And just by virtue of you presenting to me the question you're pondering, I start pondering that question like, wow, I never even thought to ask that question. Like, how did she think of that question? And that's what I hope this podcast can do for people is like, by us asking the questions and talking about them, like maybe it'll inspire people to ask those questions and then maybe they'll be able to have those kinds of meaningful conversations with other people because even the question of what does world peace mean to you? It's not a question you hear every day. Like it's not a question you're having in conversation with your girlfriends, you know, at the bar or, <laughs> or anywhere really, even like in your sister circle or anything. And so I think it's good to just plant that little seed like, what would that look like to you? Just go ahead and dream for a minute. Take yourself out of this hell that we're in, which we've called the world, which is actually feels like hell sometimes. 
And we can even start by offering ourselves to each other in quite simple but meaningful ways. Like how? So like asking, like if somebody is down or looking stressed or anxious, our original connection is really enough if it's genuine. Mm -hmm. Offering a listening ear and then reflecting it back and asking a question. What do you think you might need? What could help ease your anxiety or your fear or your worry or your anger? It's so hard to find people like that, though, as a thing. And isn't that the strangest commentary of all? If we are all people, we must be about our business. Well, I think that's what's cool about doing inner work Because I think once you start asking yourself those questions, like once you start questing for yourself inside yourself, I feel like things start happening. All of a sudden, you'll meet the person that's similar to you in that quest, or you'll start attracting different things in a way, which is really cool. So, But a lot of people, I think even with me, like you wouldn't think that. Then you're like, oh, well but I only have this set of resources or this set of friends, and you can't really think outside of of where you're at. I love that you brought this point up so much, Smishi. Not just asking questions, but how questions lead to a change. Mm. Asking salient questions, like whatever it is that's been your big quest that you just have accepted is stagnant or dormant or not going to change. You know, um, I remember when I was in kinesiology school, we had this visiting professor (laughs) and um, the professor was teaching us about uh, blood being so magnetic because it has all minerals in it Mm. and teaching us that human blood is some of the most magnetic substances on the earth. And that when we ask questions or when we search for something, actually the magnetic pull of minerals in your bloodstream draws you as a human being and body closer to the answer. Because you're literally aligning yourself in a magnetic pull with the response. And so I love that kind of fascinating, lesser thought about aspect of being a human body, how even our bodies long to be directed towards a better way. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so amazing. Do you think there are certain actions like specific social justices at this point that would absolutely lead to a closer look at being one globe. What do you mean? Like, do you think that if we practice certain, let's say instead of approaching it from inner peace, we approached it from movements of social justice, action, uh, reparations, um, Mm -hmm. you know, accountability for all the wrongs we've done, whether it be like domestically in this country, the financial reparations, you know, for slavery and Native American lands being returned to them, like Mm -hmm. making amends at home, 
personally, I feel like even those two very powerful uh, mend-making social justice routes, you know, would lead us to closer um, power to impact the globe. If we haven't taken care of business at home, how could we hope to achieve it globally, at least from a structural standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we can't live a lie, mm. right? Like this country has been founded on lies. Mm. We've tried to erase history and rewrite it and claim it something else. And so I don't think that we can move forward until we address everything that went wrong. The country was built on the backs of slaves. Like, how can we move forward in any way? Like, the original land was stolen and the natives that lived on this land were pillaged and killed to the point where they're almost extinct. They almost extinct an entire, I don't think that we can really move forward until spiritually there's some kind of restorative justice. Like, in my opinion, Native Americans should be the stewards of the land. Hmm. You mean because of so much, such a rich history of successfully living in harmony with them. Yeah, and I the think animals. that they understand and, it. Yes. You know, I mean, even the concept of like simple things, like how they utilize, like lived off the land, like the buffalo. You don't just kill a buffalo and throw away parts of it. Like they use every single piece of it. They honor it. They, you know, they don't kill it uselessly or you know, there's just a balance. It was a, a synergy in nature. And I think that it incorporated a little bit of everything, you know, an incorporated spirit. It was this elegant balance of all the aspects of us that we don't talk about in this country. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I also think it's very interesting how the um, wisdom and knowledge of Native American cultures Though they're they're not written of in books, yet there's a natural gravitational pull when you talk about the earth and you talk about the wisdom of nature, how people are so heavily drawn to Native American wisdom. There's a trust there. Yeah. And do you know when I lived overseas, when I used to work, you know, below the Sahara Desert in those countries, so many people I worked with would ask me, oh, do you think I could meet the Red Indians? That's what they called Native Americans. Mm. And I was like, the Red Indians? They were like, yeah, not those who are called from India. Oh. The ones in your land, the original people. There was such a curiosity, respect, and a desire to learn. And I thought that was fascinating. I was like, where did you hear of Native Americans? Yeah. But um, I think that's because there is this place that every culture has, and when they've been denied it, even if it's been through an attempt to annihilate those peoples, how you can't destroy a creation. It's, oh, there's always remnants. 
I think the same is true with our country and Asian cultures. And I mean, who built the railways and, you know, what everything you were saying, our country is founded on so much injustice. We need to make amends. Yeah, there's got to be restorative justice yeah. for it to work. But I mean, it, it feels so big because it just feels like we have to completely tear out the existing system and build a new. But one step at a time. Yeah. And if we could allow ourselves at least the vision, you know, when people are very, thanks to Oprah, vision boards are very common, you know, like the concept of making a vision board. What if everyone put in their vision board in the center, the globe, and how we can heal it mm -hmm. together? Yeah, that would be amazing. You know, then each person's personal steps would show up on that vision board. Mm -hmm. That would be some collage. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. Smishy. Smishy, we're just opening up a whole new world of, no pun intended, <laughs> <laughs> but a whole new world of thinking. And I'm so looking forward to this year and our podcast, joining in conversations with so many different people with different visions of what their own quests are. And but also how it could come through anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your social, financial, any kind of status is. It literally, every single person contains a piece of it, and we need every single piece. Mm, I so agree. And I think uh, there's another thing that holds us back today, which is this belief that we are, quote unquote, broken. And so that that's just too much for someone or peoples who are broken. But you know, one of my very favorite art forms that I find fascinating are mosaics. Mm. It's nothing but broken pieces and how broken pieces fit perfectly together. They create a whole new piece of creation. Mm -hmm. And I think that we just can't afford anymore to think that someone's too broken to be important to the collective. Right. I love that. But also, if somebody's too broken for you to deal with, that's okay. You don't have to. That just means that you don't have to deal with that person. You only deal with the people that you resonate with. It doesn't have to be this arduous thing. Like, you should only really tend to the people and the things that you feel called to. Mm, and I think there's a difference between, and we are so needing to be aware of the difference between knowing what you're called to and not called to and respecting aversions versus abandoning your responsibilities. Yes. So, you know, if these people, you've been brought into the world with these people, you will have to figure out how to have a relationship with them. But it doesn't mean you have to accept ill treatment and behaviors yeah. ever. But there's a fine line. And so that's that learning how to have relationships with our family actually is the fastest way to have a relationship with the family of man. So even just being at peace with people who are not yet ready to carry their own weight and consciousness in a relationship, just because you can't have a relationship directly now doesn't mean you won't be able to have it in the future. Mm -hmm.
I love that about life. I love my sister, Joe. She always says, life takes a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's so true. It really doesn't. It feels so fast. It does. But when you're working through something yeah. difficult. It does feel like forever. It does feel forever. Well, that was great. I can't wait for this. This is going to be great. I'm looking forward to enjoying a lot of conversations that we've never had before. Questing. I love a quest, a vision quest for peace. This was such a beautiful way to initiate a whole new year with you. I really have enjoyed where our podcast has brought us. Well, Sushi, then, for now, I'll say with my biggest world peace heart beating, Bye. Say la vie. <laughs> That's bye, right? <laughs>Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you do your podcasting and share this with a friend. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. <laughs>